has enough ruthless aggression. This is Ruthless Passive Aggression with your host, Jake Drake and the Wrestle Bucket. Hello and welcome to Ruthless Passive Aggression. It's the final episode looking at the Royal Rumble 2003 and hopefully the final episode where I don't have our podcast intro written down in front of me. So this is the podcast where the host is laying down on his stomach, talking to his fellow friends with his legs kicking up in the air like we're on the phone in high school talking about crushes uh, unless you guys aren't doing that we've all got our cameras hidden so in that case i'm not doing that either i may or may not be twirling my beard hair thinking about that special someone in my life i'm in a chair that my wife bought me um so i mean every time i use this chair it's like a testament to my to my crush and my lady love, right? Like, just yeah, because I'm not, just because I'm not being whimsical and juvenile, like, uh, doesn't mean that I'm not caring, right? Sharing is caring. That's right. I'm Drake Jackson. Uh, I'm Jake Edwards. I'm the WrestleBucket. And we're here to look at the final part of Royal Rumble 2003, which is the Royal Rumble match itself. But before we get to that, there's one backstage segment we have to cover where Rob Van Dam and Kane are backstage with the world's smallest camera operator. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a... So, so my note in my phone about this is I say weird upward ankle of this promo. And I look at it and I think I typed in ankle lock so many times for Kurt Angle versus uh, Chris Benoit earlier that it just auto-corrected angle to ankle but also i think it may work because that guy was pretty much standing at ankle height shooting up (laughs) at these two yeah so they use this camera shot a lot for kane because you know you shoot from a low angle it makes people look taller than they actually are which not that kane really needs any help in that department but to make him look even bigger you shoot him shooting your camera pointed upward but now rob van dam and him are a team (laughs) For some reason, they just, like, got together on Raw, and everyone's like, they're such an unlikely duo, but they kept the camera shot, so Rob Van Dam looks like seven feet tall. Because <laughs> Kane hasn't had enough tag team partners throughout this podcast, we're going to give him the only one that was actually good with him. Yep, and that's what Rob Van Dam needed was a tag partner. <laughs> uh, Kane's going on about a couple of years ago where he just went through an absolute tear in the Royal Rumble and got down to the final two and would have won if it wasn't for that no good Stone Cold Steve Austin. Where's he at, guys? (laughs) Oh, he'll be around at some point. We don't know where he is right now. He's on his farm in Texas? I don't know. Since he walked out, there actually might be some legal troubles going on, but we'll save that. I mean... Like, come to think of it, I'm kind of surprised that, like, this crowd didn't turn on the fact that, like, Steve Austin wasn't there. Like, I'm surprised they didn't pull, like, a 2016 Royal Rumble when Rey Mysterio comes out at number 30 sort of reaction. Oh, yeah, this was prime for Steve Austin to come back. But as we've thoroughly documented and detailed, this crowd was eating up Brock. So, you know, the the ending they got, like... They were fine with it. They didn't need it. They did a good enough job teasing uh, Undertaker's return plus 
plus having Brock in there that I think they did a good job distracting him. So now we've got the Royal Rumble happening. And for those listeners, and I know there are a couple of you that haven't watched wrestling or haven't watched it a whole lot before this podcast, two men start, every 90 seconds another wrestler enters until 30 wrestlers have entered. You're eliminated by going over the top rope and both feet touching the floor. Last man standing gets a world title shot at WrestleMania. And let me tell you, this is my favorite match type of all time. Just the returns, big moments, surprises, just the format of the match. It kicks off WrestleMania season. I love Royal Rumbles. There are stakes. The, the winner gets to go in main event, quote unquote, their biggest show of the year, WrestleMania. Just the way that I like thinking about it is this match, like a battle royal would be like 30 guys go out in the ring. They're all standing there. It's overcrowded. They go over the top rope until there's only one left. This is accurately defined as a staggered battle royal so like you don't start off with everybody you get a slow reveal um, of what the match is going to turn out to be and thus you get chapters and stages um like this royal rumble like you know we're only doing one match in this episode but the match is so big like an hour long that it can really be divided into I, I saw it as three different parts the first third the second third and the third third this is one of those matches where if you have friends that don't watch wrestling you want to give them kind of a taste of it this is the best way to introduce somebody to professional wrestling because you get a large chunk of the people that are on on tv and you get a, a good sense of what these people can do um, but it, it's also just nonstop excitement. It's nonstop uh, thrills. You can't beat a Royal Rumble match, friends. We used to, in college, every year for the Rumble, we would have a bunch of us go to a sports bar and watch it. And uh, we would have, you know, friends there that weren't Rumble or weren't wrestling fans where, you know, we were just like, hey, it's going to be a fun night out at a sports bar. Come on. Everyone draws numbers and everything. And it's the one night a year, like you said, where those non-fans can enjoy it as well. I, I think I said in the first episode of, our, of this trilogy of episodes we're doing on this event, I watched this Royal Rumble on the same day where the, this year's Royal Rumble was happening. So, like, I woke up in the morning, I watched the 2003 Royal Rumble, and then... I just kept watching Royal Rumbles all day. <laughs> like, I watched, and, and just, you know, they all are different. They all bring something new to the table. Now they do women's uh, Royal Rumbles as well. That's a pretty recent development. I watched some of those, um, and, and I just personally never got wore out on them. Like, it's a really, it's one of the last unironically loved things that exist in wrestling. There's 15 Raw wrestlers and 15 SmackDown wrestlers in this Rumble, and it starts off with entrant number one, Shawn Michaels, fresh off his loss of the World Heavyweight Championship at Armageddon. After that three stages of hell match on Raw, Jericho begins targeting Shawn Michaels and calling him washed up and a has-been, and Jericho wants to get back to the WrestleMania main event like he was in last year. Shawn dares Jericho to enter the Rumble at number one like he did and won years ago so he wants Jericho to kind of prove himself by doing what he did in the 90s but then Sean decides to volunteer to be number one so Chris Jericho wins a battle royal on Raw to choose his spot and he chooses number two 
so that he can show that he'll last for the entire Rumble as well. It's, uh, they, they do such a good job with this story, and it's like, this ends up being like halfway down the card at WrestleMania 19, but this is one of the best told stories leading up to Mania, and it's also one of the best matches at Mania, and this gets me so excited for when we get to cover WrestleMania 19. So a lot of these matches that we're watching in this time period that we're watching in, I haven't seen a lot of them. I have seen this match before because I love Royal Rumbles. I've watched like every single Royal Rumble, I think. This is my first time not watching it on YouTube and absolutely edited to hex skis. So I was very familiar with this opening premise. Shawn Michaels coming out number one. You see the Jericho music hit with the Jeratron and the, you know, you're going down the web tunnel and the whole countdown and you see the figure on the top of the ramp turn around and you don't see Chris Jericho. You see Christian. You see that rat faced, amazing bastard Christian. And you're just like, oh shoot. Yeah. Christian and Jericho are friends. And then who shows up? From behind, right behind Shawn Michaels, and and we gets this thing started off right. Oh my God! I spoiler alert: this may be number one on the bucket list. I have loved this entire sequence for years. Yeah, it's such a good open that's never been done before, and Jericho and Christian can pull it off because they've got you know the same hair, the same build, and everything. And Christian is just excellent at being a bastard. Like that little grin, you're like, oh, I want to punch him so bad. And then Jericho takes advantage and just beats the shit out of Sean. Like takes him outside the ring. Uh, I believe he hits him with a chair. I'm not. He does. I, I, yeah, he he hits him with a chair. Sean's busted open and everything. And it's those two up until entrant number three. Oh, somebody that has worse head trauma than Shawn Michaels tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's Chris Nowinski, and his his head trauma is about to get a lot worse later in this rumble as people come out. But Chris Nowitzki comes out. Chris has been on Raw, kind of being a generic heel, nothing special going on. He shows how smart he is by not getting in the ring and taking his time, and he lets Jericho just continue to assault Shawn Michaels. Apparently it takes a Harvard degree to realize, hey, if I don't get in the match, I can't get eliminated. It's probably been well documented here that I'm not the biggest Shawn Michaels guy. So to see this man get the holy hell beat out of him and like do a blade job. And and a part that I didn't remember of this was he was the first eliminated. Like, I just thought like he's tossed out. Yeah. And it was like, like, I was like, wait a second. But doesn't Shawn eliminate Jericho later? But, you know, there's no rules in these things. Anyone can come out. Like, I could jump from the first row, get into the ring, and if I eliminated somebody, they'd be eliminated. Yeah, as long as they go over the top. And the camera catches it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Shawn Michaels is thrown out by Jericho. It it was probably hard to predict at the time that Shawn Michaels would be the first person eliminated from the Royal Rumble, but it happened. And then entrant number four comes out, Rey Mysterio. Mysterio's back after a knee surgery that's kept him out since the tag run with Edge. Shortly before this, he made his SmackDown return as Brock Lesnar's tag team partner against A-Train and Big Show. A-Train. Yeah, A-Train. 
In that match, <laughs> Lesnar immediately F5'd A-Train, and Ray hit him with the 619 to beat A-Train in 33 seconds. <laughs> so that A-Train push is really working out. It's And it's definitely going to work out leading up to WrestleMania. It's It's fine. They were so hot on A-Train, and then following his big, you know, pay-per-view debut on Armageddon last time, like, Edge beats him clean, he gets pinned in 33 seconds. He's not even, like, two or three months into being back on the roster at this point. A-Train ran in and assaulted uh, Kurt Angle in the Angle versus Big Show match at Armageddon. You guys remember that? Nothing oh, came God, of it. Oh, God, I forgot about him in that match. Yeah, yeah I... he just ran in and hit the derailer on Kurt Angle and left, and ever since then... I remember going in on that match pretty hard, like, while we were reviewing it, and I was just like, watch this lead nowhere. Like, this helps no one. It doesn't matter. And I it, I really thought it would take longer to prove that point, but one here month. we are. Ray runs down to the ring and does a ton of cool moves to Jericho. It looks like Jericho does a pop-up powerbomb to Rey Mysterio. But he, come, he comes down back first. I think Ray was supposed to do some sort of face buster or something because Jericho sells it. But Ray, like, gets pop-up powerbombed and just stands up. <laughs> uh, Ray Mysterio versus Chris Jericho in 2003, just like in a singles match. I mean, that could be a main event in any Raw or SmackDown. Um, I'm kind of sad that we really didn't get these two, like, at this time in WWE in a one-on-one match. Yeah, how did that not happen? My, minus the brands, they were they were never on the same brand until probably Jericho cut his hair down. Oh yeah, that's true. Jericho thinks he's eliminated Ray, but Ray holds on to the ring post and dangles his feet to keep from getting eliminated. Chris Nowitzki finally comes in just in time for entrant number five, Edge. We are seeing some great strategies in this rumble so far. The whole bait and switch with Christian, Jericho, and Michaels. Um, Norinsky takes his sweet-ass time getting into the ring, and now we have two former tag team champions in together, Edge and Ray, like, teaming up and, like, actually being a tandem for a little bit. It's, 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 like, these, this is one of the best Royal Rumbles so far from, like, a logic standpoint. Yeah, and Edge saves Rey Mysterio from a two-on-one beatdown, and I wanted to note here, and... I don't know if you can provide any more context, Jake. I just read results. You said you watched some of the SmackDowns. There was a great tag title match, apparently, on SmackDown, where Los Guerreros successfully defended, for some reason, against Edge and Billy Kidman. Um, I think I missed that match, but I, I, I remember watching that as a kid, and I remember that being a really good match. Yeah, I think Billy Kidman filled in for Rey Mysterio because Rey was out with that injury, getting knee surgery. And let me tell you, he's got a lot of knee surgeries coming up over the next decade. I feel so bad for Rey because, like, his ring style has just fucked up his body so much. He's moving great now, though, in 2021 as we record this. And it's really nice to see. You think he's on that DDP yoga? Has to be. Yeah, that's probably it. I know you guys were kind of dunking on Chris Norinsky earlier, or but I I think if I would have been like an active fan at this time, I think I would have been really down with Chris Norinsky. Like his gimmick, just there's just something about it that was really working. But then again, you know I love 
mid-card things. You know what I mean? I love right. secondary, tertiary characters. As, like, a mid-card heel, like, that's pretty much the perfect gimmick. And it was just, you know, I guess we're getting around the time where we have to talk about where we have a really terrible thing happen. You know, with some of our favorite performers, we're talking about how great Ray is, um, Edge is one of your favorites of all time, uh, Drake, and actually Jake too. Yeah, you guys both like are huge Edge guys, but now he's he's about to land abdomen first on the wrong dome in the middle of this match. First of all, I don't know who thought doing a double... Um What's the move? I'm. Oh my God! Why am I blanking? Drop kick. Double missile drop kick. Thank you. I don't know who From thought separate turnbuckle. Yeah, who thought doing double drop kicks like that was a good idea to begin with? It's such a hard thing to time because he's got to be standing directly in the center, but not make it look like he's waiting for it. And he does a good job of that. Ray and Edge have to jump at the same time and get to their target at the same time so that they but don't knock him into each other. And let me tell you, I'm bringing it back. That was a LimeWire spot. <laughs> because that was all over LimeWire. It was like wrestler Chris Nowitzki breaks his neck dot MP4. Um, <laughs> which obviously he didn't break his neck. But man, he got Edge's entire thigh laid across his face full force. And from here on out, you could tell Nowitzki's kind of out of it. I, I point this spot out to my fiance who's watching this with me. Um, and then she looks at him afterwards and goes, oh, yeah, you can tell that he's got a concussion. What aged even worse about this is, like, Jerry the King Lawler is talking about losing brain cells. Yeah. Like, there's no way he could know, but just, like, it was the worst. I, I just, like, the first third of this rumble is so good with this being, like, the, 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 the one, like, real detriment. Like, this just kind of, like, just sucks to watch happen in real time you haven't seen anyone attempt that spot since then for good reason and also while this is happening christian comes out and he tries to hug edge and reunite with edge because of continuity and christian has changed clothes since the number one (laughs) spot which is impressive to be coming in at six Um, but edge spears christian and you know, Nowitzki's still kind of out of it over in the corner. This is one of the concussions of a few that lead to him leaving professional wrestling. Unfortunately, um, as awful as that spot is, that that led to some of the greatest work that's been done in, in traumatic brain injuries in sports. So it's an awful event, and, it, uh, and I hurt anytime I see that move, but it's been kind of... Uh, by a, a grace of God that that did happen because that's led to some terrific research when it's come to, to brain injuries in sports. Let's end it on a very positive note before we start making jokes about it again. I think that's a really nice place to leave it and we can just say that Chris Nowinski, um, you know, an elimination was meant for um, Christian um, but then but then Narinsky eats it instead, and he's eliminated. And as you said, he goes on to do great work with CTE. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and on the way out, I, I hate to bring it down, but Nowitzki gets hurricanrana'd out by Rey Mysterio for the elimination, and Nowitzki lands right on his face again on the way out. <laughs> God damn it, Drake! <laughs> if this wasn't, like, giving him a concussion and actually hurting, it's like... 
slapstick comedy at this point. He has hit his head I don't know how many times in this match. And it's just awful to watch. And even like after he he gets landed on initially, he goes over into the corner and fucking Rey Mysterio goes and does a Bronco Buster on him. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's going to help. Entrant number seven comes in. It's Chavo Guerrero, who's recently turned face in the lead-up. Both Los Guerreros have. They're the WWE Tag Team Champions on SmackDown, which it was getting really hard to boo the Guerreros, so that that's good. Um, they turned face in a feud against John Cena and Bling Bling Buchanan, but we'll talk about that feud a little later. Um, and Chavo immediately gets hit with a 619 upon coming in. Poor Chavito. Yeah, which is, like, that's impressive because you have to be set up to be hit with that immediately. And he did. It's not like an RKO where you just slide in and, like, eat one. Like, he had to be put in position and everything immediately. I do like how we're at the point in the match where we haven't gotten many of our main event stars yet. So, like, the entire ring is just filled up with uh, our main event scene of velocity. <laughs> <laughs> And it gets a little less crowded because Jericho comes in and clotheslines Rey Mysterio over the top down to the floor as entrant number eight comes in to Jiri, who makes his return to the podcast and he kicks the shit out of everyone but while old racist man Jerry Lawler mistakes him for Funaki. Oh my god. So I didn't pick up on that at first. I was too busy singing a song as soon as I saw Tajiri comes out. I just started singing... Somebody gonna get their ass missed. <laughs> I was just like singing the Mark Henry theme song, but with Tajiri things. Buzz, whoa, saw, whoa. Somebody gonna get their ass missed. Somebody gonna get a spider twist. Um, I was just, I was having a good time. And then, of course, he had to be like, that's my favorite announcer. You're talking about Funaki Lawler. Who? Yep. And Lawler says, in his defense, he just gets Tajiri and Funaki mixed up, which doesn't clarify or help things. It just confirms that he's being racist. And then Tajiri does an airplane spin, and Jim Ross calls it an airplane spin. And then he says, if it has a different name, I'm sure someone on the internet will correct me later. And Ross and Lawler just seem like they're not having a good time calling this match. Um, There's a really crazy... Okay, so like... All three of us are vaguely familiar with, like, varying degrees of, like, video production. I think, you know, uh, Jake is a professional news photographer, and Drake has a job where you, like, make, like, promotional videos and stuff, right? Um, So I was... I noticed this really interesting camera moment, and I wanted to know if you guys saw this as well where like the camera was focused on half the ring because only half the ring was taken up at that time and then all of a sudden edge starts crawling to the unoccupied part of the ring on his knees and we just get a slow pan out and follow and so everyone's like presented again like they don't let edge crawl off screen and i was like "Ooh, i noticed i noticed cinematography yeah it was super nice their uh, their production team, for the most part, um, in, in this match, did a really good job. Unlike certain other um, Royal Rumble matches, <clears throat> two thousand twenty one. <clears throat> but yeah, they, I think uh, their production team did a good job in this match. Entrant number nine, noted piece of shit, Bill Demott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have future. I'm not going to take up. 
I have future bully Bill Demont on mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not gonna take up a lot of time on here and talk about it, but you can look it up. Just his training methods and all the stories that came out. Uh, not many people knew he was still employed after the WCW merger, but now he's randomly getting a big SmackDown push. Like he was wearing a headband, and I didn't know why he was wearing a headband. So I found it kind of humorous that you know. He was trying oh. to like, ha, 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 thank you. Um, oh my god! But um, but as as you guys inferred, um, I think he gets eliminated relatively quickly after this, and like, thank God, because I didn't have any more jokes for him. Yeah, I think at one point Jr. starts like, you know how they always talk about what would it mean for so and so if they were to go to WrestleMania and main event. <laughs> They started talking about Bill DeMott that way. And he was like, what do you think it would mean for Bill DeMott's life to main event WrestleMania? Oh, God. We could have got DeMott versus Angle. Nobody would ever <laughs> say that in their lives. Like, holy shit. That's a 2K commentary line. That's not <laughs> that. That's not even a possibility in real life. Um, there are good people in this Royal though, Royal Rumble though. I mean, the next person out is Tommy Trip Pants, and um... <laughs> yeah, he's got a trash can full of weapons. Okay, I have written down here. I don't exactly remember how this played out, but it says Edge and Tommy kill Bill. It's a con lid toe, which um, a lot of my notes actually I don't remember writing. It's like some, it's like I fell asleep during this rumble, rumble, and some sort of homeless man high on amphetamines came in and like typed on my phone, like all this stuff. Like I can't read half of the stuff I wrote down, but the context clues would indicate that Edge and Tommy take a couple of trash can lids and hit Bill with like uh, they sandwich him and hit him with two trash can lids. Tommy. Yep. Then they beat him with kendo sticks and Demotz eliminated. Almost breaks his wrist while he's trying to eliminate himself. Oh, does he get caught in the ropes? Both of his arms almost get completely caught up in the ropes as he goes over. Yikes. And then the next elimination happens right after that. Christian and Jericho beat the shit out of Dreamer with his own weapons and toss him <laughs> over. So five people have been eliminated. Um, Tommy Dreamer is just notorious for these rumbles. Coming in, bringing weapons, and just getting eliminated immediately. Does Tommy, like, not have the brain capacity after taking so many hits to the head to, like, be able to remember Royal Rumble spots? He's just like, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna hit some people, and then I'm gonna be done, and I'm gonna hit that pay window, baby. After that, elimination number six happens where Tajiri attempts the tarantula in the corner like a dumbass over the top rope. <laughs> and then Jericho just shoves him to the floor. That's a bad strap, buddy. Not the not the sharpest knife in the crayon box right there. Entering 11, B-squared, Bull Buchanan, Bling Bling Buchanan, whatever you want to call him. He's holding his arm and he's selling a beatdown from three nights ago on SmackDown. <laughs> Here's what happened. John Cena and Bling Bling Buchanan lose a match against the Guerreros. Afterwards, Cena and Buchanan break up. An OVW wrestler named Red Dog appears from the crowd storms in and replaces Buchanan as Cena's heavy hitter after Cena dumps Buchanan. Uh, this is the first and last time we see Red Dog on SmackDown. Later on that night, John Cena introduces, hey, this is my man Red Dog. And then that's the last time we see him. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. He does come back later with a different name, but that's that's it. What, what was his name to come back as? He comes back as Rodney Mack. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I was really confused here. Uh, B2 was selling an injury that I did not see. I'm like, did this happen on Heat? But you just said it was way earlier than that. Um, yep. I'm really surprised they already broke him up with Cena. Obviously, they didn't know what they were doing because Red Dog didn't pan out. But, like, everyone still remembers, like, B-squared. Like, he showed up in the John Cena This Is Your Life segment. Like, it's kind of like a meme of early Cena. So, like, I, I don't understand why the the harmonious uh, synergy was disrupted so early. And as soon as Bull Buchanan goes in there and lands some kicks and goes to charge at Edge in the corner... Edge gets out of the way, and Bull Buchanan goes over the ring post to the floor to eliminate himself. He's done. Already. I mean, that's an easy paycheck, at least. Then elimination number eight happens. Chavo Guerrero gets tossed to the apron by Edge. Edge spears him, and Chavo falls from the ring to the floor, lands on his feet, and somersault rolls up the ramp. I was dunking on him earlier, but I wrote down that this ruled. Like, this was... You know, this is one of the Yes, that was the exact word I was gonna use. It was so much and I kinda love it. One of the one of the better eliminations. Like Paul London, eat your heart out. (laughs) And then right after that, eliminations nine and ten happen. Edge tosses Jericho over, but Jericho hangs on in a spot that HBK did in the nineties when he won. Jericho then tosses Edge and Christian to the floor as they were fighting. Um, Jericho was the king of like almost selling being eliminated the entire night. There were several spots throughout this match where it looked like he was just holding on for dear life and he was. But like a little bit later he like holds on to like one of the ring posts and like both of his feet are like two inches away from landing on the floor. Just like I know Sean was the king of selling that spot at one point, but Jericho for sure took over being the king of selling that almost elimination. And Jericho's the only guy left in the ring at this point, and the camera shows a giant bleeding knot between his eyes that's apparently from the kendo stick from Tommy Dreamer earlier. It was pretty gnarly. Entrant number 12, Rob Van Dam, who is mega over despite his booking since the beginning of this podcast, making him kind of look like a loser. Um, Bruce Pritchard once said that if you're working a match against RVD, the number one rule is to, quote, get those fucking hands up because he kicks hard. And this match is no exception because RVD just goes over and starts, get, like, kicking the living shit out of Chris Jericho. Um, he does a really good rolling thunder shortly after that. He, he was really able to just kind of dominate that crowd for a few minutes. But uh, screw all that shit, because uh, Matt Hardy's about to come out, and he doesn't like mustard! Oh, yeah! yeah. I could slam a tornado! Every the sea, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Hardy's got his MF'er with him, or Matt follower, Shannon Moore. <laughs> This is like the meme Matt fact. Like anytime you see one, uh, it's it's always like he doesn't like mustard or he drinks chocolate milk. I don't know why all of his are food based, but uh, Matt freaking Hardy, ladies and gentlemen. And the best part is we're about to get some really good Matt Hardy in the next couple of months. Um, we're about to get cruiserweight champion Matt Hardy, and I'm really excited for that. Entrant 14, WWE Tag Team Champion Eddie Guerrero, who has turned face and cut off the mullet. Latino Heat! Really sad about the mullet. We didn't even get, like, a stipulation where, like, if he lost, he had to cut the mullet or something. Didn't have, like, an Edge uh, versus Guerrero hair versus hair match. 
He was really holding on to that well past its prime. <laughs> Knowing Chavo's receding hairline situation, that was probably a transplant type thing that happened. It's like, come on, Eddie, you don't need that hair in the back, and I need some in the front. And it was reappropriated. And Eddie's a good brother. Yeah, and Matt Hardy gives Eddie the twist of fate. And then Jeff Hardy enters at number 15. And man, Jeff is a wreck, and he is soaked. Like, it looks like he took a shower with his clothes on. I don't know how he got that wet. I wrote down, it looks like he stepped out of a lagoon. Not just because he's wet, but also because he's dirty. It looks like he was, like, standing underneath the uh, waterfall in front of the, the entrance for, like, 20 minutes. And then just decided, oh, yeah, it's time for me to go back in the ring. Yeah, Jeff nearly eliminates Matt Hardy, but Shannon Moore gets under Matt to help keep him in the ring, which is a pretty smart move. If you're going to have any MFR with you, it's it's helpful to have him for those situations. Jeff lines Matt Hardy up for the swanton, but Shannon Moore runs in and lays on top of Matt, which is really dumb because Jeff's just like, oh, well, I don't care, and swanton's onto both of them. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, I don't think that helped Matt at all. That was probably worse <laughs> for him, getting smashed under another person. <laughs> I really loved that they were teasing, like, a Hardy Boys reunion, and then they also teased an Edge and Christian reunion earlier in this match. Entrance 16, it's three-minute warnings, Rosie being led to the ring by Rico, so Rico's still around. Three minutes uh, and we're out of here. Three-minute warning are being punished in real life for a lot of things right now, according to Dirt Sheets. Uh, both men have been accused of being reckless and injuring a lot of performers. Especially, they were being looked down upon with how rough they were with the lesbians during the HLA segment. Um, they've also been told to get into better shape, but they refuse. And Jamal is a whole other story, but we'll get to him in a little bit. The three-minute warning's been losing a lot of matches cleanly on Raw, including handicap matches where they teamed with Rico and, for some reason, Batista. But was uh, was Batista aligned with Ric Flair in Triple H at this point? He was aligned with Ric Flair. I don't know if he was aligned with Triple H. I mean, you would think so by transitive property. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite property of geometry. Um... Speaking of favorite, this is my favorite ring gear for Rosie, you know, out of all of the one ring gears that I can remember, because he's wearing a baseball-like jersey that says Dirty South, and it's like, uh, are they in the North right now? Maybe he should have saved that shirt if they went past the Dixie line, like, because that way the, the, the outfit itself could get a heel heat, but like, you know, what, what were they, in Boston or something? Yeah, they're in Boston. Yeah, so he, he needed to save that shirt. He needed to take out his dirty North shirt and just, you know, get over. Entrance 17, Test with Stacy Keebler. And the two are dating in real life. Test has Stacy as his image consultant. We've talked about it before. She's responsible for marketing him and getting the haircut, new tights, music change, everything. They ended up getting over so much as heels that they've officially turned face here. And when I was looking up stuff about this rumble earlier on YouTube, there was a 10-second video on YouTube from a channel called Stacy Keebler HD that just said Stacy Keebler at the 2003 Royal Rumble, and it was just a shot of her walking down the ramp. Oh my god. As of 2-6 of 2021, our favorite, favorite Twitter account says yes, Test is still dead. Oh yeah, Test is alright good to know you, you just said that test and stacy were dating in real life 
Yes. How do you go from dating Andrew Martin to George Clooney? Real downgrade. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Are George Clooney's fans referred to as the testicles? No, I don't think they are. Would you rather date someone who's not been in a Batman movie, or would you rather date someone who's been in a bad Batman movie? Entrant number 18, it's John Cena, and he's got a rap about Boston. Um, boys, um, I took about 15 minutes to sit there, and, uh, I really listened to to John's lyrics. And you know what? I decided I was going to write them down. So if you don't mind... Um, can I do a dramatic reading of John Cena's rap from this show? I'd be insulted if you didn't. I need you, Drake, in post to put some like classy music on. Um, make it sound like this. Oh, it's happening. Make it sound like it's a nice po- poetry reading. Maybe you could go watch James and the Giant Peach and that violin piece that the grasshopper plays when they're riding on the giant peach. Can I specifically request for that to be the music, Drake? If it's yeah. you know legally acceptable. Yeah, I'll try. I, I, I will take that. <clears throat> yo, yo, yo. Thugonomic style. Nah, nah. Put down your tea party. Get away from your John Hancock. I'm rocking this thugonomic style. Yo. Besides the open mic, one thing that gets me boiled is an old school 30-man battle royal. I'ma win this. I'ma make a good impression. Show Vinnie Mac that I got ruthless aggression. The odds were even until you chose me. Now it's 29 dudes and one ruthless MC. Yo, it doesn't matter, kid, cause I'll rip your nose off. I can battle you naked with no clothes on, kid. Which, adding the kid made me really creepy creeped out and I, I felt kind of yeah, gross a little, weird. a little bit <clears throat> what you talking about three reasons I'm gonna win this reason number one I'll cut you off like cucumbers reason number two are you approach this I'll be choking you like Spreewell beach choking coaches reason number three it's hard for me to explain to ya but I'm gonna win tonight and go on to Wrestlemania. The Royal Rumble is just another test I gotta pass. You dudes be like, keep it one-legged, you half-assed. Yo, what you talking about, kid? You can touch this. Throw the double clutches down if you down to touch this. Yo, it's my year. I suggest you take the year off. I'm sick like Tyson when he bit Holyfield's ear off. It doesn't matter, kid. Yo, you should stop to feed me. My style's like a swollen penis. You can't beat me. You can't beat me. Okay. (laughs) Are we going to get copyright struck um, for using too much of that intellectual property? (laughs) Calling it intellectual is a stretch. (laughs) My favorite part is when he rhymed explain to you with WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, who knew that that makes him one of the greatest MCs of all time? I mean, how how do you rhyme that? I, I have no idea. That's that's what that college education of his really uh really paid off for with whatever college he fucking went to. 
Uh, my favorite line was immediately after this. Uh, Jerry Lawler just looks at JR and goes, do you like rap, JR? Then Ross looks at him and goes, that was 90 seconds of me not knowing anything what he just said. It's very clear, too. I mean, come on, Jim. <laughs> um, he was wearing, like, Houston Astros gear, which I'm a, I'm a really big fan of, like, you know, you wearing the opposite teams, like, colors or whatever. I don't know if there's some sort of rivalry between the Astros and I guess it's about as opposite of an American city as you can get from Boston, so I guess it works. It would have made more sense to wear, like, a Yankees jersey or something like that, but... He gets to the ring, Charlie Haas enters, and then Elimination 11 happens when Jeff Hardy goes up top for the whisper in the wind, but RVD shoves him off the top rope to the floor. Looked really brutal. Entrant 20, Rikishi comes in from SmackDown. Last time we saw him on pay-per-view, he was dressed as a woman, giving Big Shaw off a stink face, and dancing with Stephanie McMahon. Leave the memories alone! <laughs> so, as soon as Kishi came out, I was like, man, this entrant will make a difference. And he gets a little family stare down with Rosie. Like, every... Okay, so I guess this is the first time me watching it as, like, a grown-up who understands, like, the intricacies of their wrestling dynasty. So, like, I never understood, like, before why they were looking at each other. But it, it was kind of neat to, you know, for them to be like, oh, it, it could have been a passing of the torch moment. I mean, it wasn't, but it could have been. Entrant 21 is Jamal from 3-Minute Warning. And uh, he's had some issues backstage as well. I'll read you the full story here from DePrice82 on Reddit, who does Wrestling Observer Rewind. Go check it out. It's pretty pretty cool. Um, the, the story is Jamal and his wife were at a bar when Jamal's wife broke a tip jar and was causing a disturbance. An off-duty cop who was working security went to remove her from the bar. She refused to leave, so the cop grabbed her arm, at which point Jamal told him, take your fucking hands off my wife and slap the cop's arm off her. Then he said, I'll kick your fucking ass, you redneck motherfucker. The cop swung a flashlight at Jamal as he approached and started throwing punches. Another person at the bar jumped on him, and the two of them managed to get Jamal down. He was arrested and taken to a local hospital first, since everyone had some cuts and bruises. On the way to the hospital, Jamal repeatedly told several officers to kiss their families goodbye and made threats like he was going to kill them. Oh my god. Umaga? WWE responded by suspending Jamal, but per their policy, they're still using him on TV, just not on house shows. So as a result of this, Jamal also ends up taking the pinfalls in nearly every tag match and has his offense no-sold by Kane a bunch on Raw. After one of the matches, 3-Minute Warning tease a breakup, and then Jamal takes a stink face from his brother Rikishi, and Dirt Sheets at the time were reporting that this was another way to punish Jamal. So they're brothers, then? Yes. Okay, I did. I, I figured they were cousins, but that's even funnier that they're actually siblings. I love Umaga. I'm so disappointed. Well, Umaga's kind of seen as a career renaissance. So we're, we're about to get the downfall. Right, like the redemption arc. Uh... Entrant 22, it's Kane. He chokeslams Rico, who isn't even in the match, into the ring. <laughs> and then Elimination 12 happens when Kane backdrops Rosie to the outside. And then Shelton Benjamin comes in, joining Charlie Haas. 
The crowd then goes nuts because Booker T is entrant number 24, and Elimination 13 happens when Booker does a spin a stands up, and backdrops Eddie Guerrero out of the top rope onto the floor, and Eddie's leg beer bends a weird way. Yeah, he comes down weird, um, and he he really sells it, but once he starts walking to the back, you can kind of see, like, on the side of the, the screen that he looks all right, but yeah, that shit was scary. Entrant 25. Come on, ride A-Train. It's A-Train. He hasn't had the best time since the last pay-per-view, but we've talked about that. Um, A battered, bloody Shawn Michaels then returns to the ring all bandaged up and attacks Jericho, which was a great spot. And then Tess takes advantage of the HBK attack and eliminates Jericho. HBK dives out onto Jericho, and they have to be pulled apart. Gosh, I'm still recovering from that umaga thing like i i i heard you talking about all the other stuff um so trying to recompose myself here so i was sad because of umaga and then i was sad when kane came out because i knew he was going to eliminate three minute warning i knew they were done and then test was in here too long and then he eliminates Jericho for, like, no good reason. So, needless to say, this, like, second third of the Royal Rumble, I'm just not enjoying as much as the first third. Entrant 26 is Maven. Entrant 27 is Goldust. And then Goldust gets eliminated by Charlie Haas while he's in the ropes battling Shelton Benjamin. And then Haas and Benjamin eliminate Booker T two-on-one. Not to interrupt you, but one of my favorite moments um, of the night on commentary... Um, you know Lawler's like running gag where he'll claim like five people coming out are his pick to win for the night (laughs) he made that a few times during the night and then Maven's music hits and he starts walking out to the ring and you hear King go on commentary yeah Maven's definitely not my pick to win oh Oh, man (laughs) I thought this was the Undertaker elimination year for a second because it's the only memory I have associated with Maven um, right. It's not that year, but they do call back to it a little later on. Was, was it? Yeah, that was the year before. Okay, I was about to ask, was it the year before or 2001? But I couldn't remember. Entrant 28 is Batista, leading to elimination 17. Batista eliminates Test, and then Batista clotheslines Rikishi over the top to eliminate Rikishi. And then Brock Lesnar came down. Oh, man, the animal making his Royal Rumble debuted and think in two short years he's gonna win this match and he's gonna rip vince mcmahon's quads (laughs) single-handedly what a powerful man (laughs) we go from john cena making john hancock jokes and batista doing whatever batista did in this match to two years from from now it's incredible lesnar eliminates haas and benjamin at the same time and then he picks up matt hardy and f5s matt hardy onto the floor onto haas and benjamin and then Undertaker returns for number 30. You done it now. Yeah, that uh, F5 Matt Hardy World's Greatest Tag Team Elimination is like top, top 10. Like that is such a great moment. And we're, we're quickly approaching the end here. The amount of great moments we get is diminishing. Undertaker punches John Cena and John Cena flies backward over the top rope. Undertaker clotheslines Jamal over the top rope, and as Jamal falls out, he lands on John Cena's legs. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, Maven attempts to eliminate Undertaker by drop kicking him in the back, like you said before. But then Undertaker chokeslams Maven and sends him out. A Train hits the A Train bomb on Undertaker. Kane chokeslams Lesnar. Rob Van Dam and Kane team up and eliminate A Train. And then Kane picks up RVD over his head to throw him onto Batista for a double team, but then switches direction and just eliminates RVD onto A Train. Does that bring us to the final four? It, it does. does. We are down to the final four. Undertaker, Batista, Kane, and Brock Lesnar. Do you notice that these four individuals are just palette swaps of each other? Like, <laughs> um, Kane is just the palette swap for Fiery Undertaker, and Batista is, is like essentially got the same build and kind of look as Brock does. So I think it's really interesting because I think... Um, Oh, I don't remember exactly how it happens, but what what I was going to say earlier was Batista's so out of place here right now. Like, from what he's done to this point in his career, he did not earn this Final Four Royal Rumble spot, but it's something that retroactively makes all the sense in the world. This was my first time realizing that, like, oh, Batista's like the odd man out here, because later on he would go on to win this match, a couple of times you know he'd be a main event player so like you know it, it looks better within the annals of history he earned this spot but but you know considering that like the last time we saw him was in a pay-per-view match that like you guys hated um and that was like really all he's done up to this point besides hanging out with Devon a little bit you can tell him a batista guy because i'm really focusing in on this i apologize no because I, I i was gonna make sort of a, a the same point it's just really strange, like, I, I've i watched this a handful of times before we started the podcast, and was like, oh yeah, it makes sense for Batista to be in the Final Four, because, you know, he was this beast. And then going into the hindsight and, like, knowing what we know from, from doing this podcast now, it's like, Batista hasn't done shit yet. <laughs> Undertaker does the tombstone pile driver to Lesnar, then turns around and clotheslines Batista out, even though he hit Lesnar with the tombstone. He just kind of like turns around and is like, fuck you too, and like takes <laughs> Batista out. Kane and Undertaker shake hands and decide to go after Lesnar together. Then Taker just throws Kane out. And then finally, Batista runs back in with a chair after Undertaker, but Undertaker gets the chair, hits Batista with it instead. Lesnar takes advantage of this opening and dumps Taker out to win. Taker just kind of looks at Lesnar like, oh, you got me. But <laughs> Taker gets back in the ring, gives his seal of approval to Lesnar, and they respect each other now. Taker's like, you know, boy, I didn't like you, but now that you've threatened to kill me, harm my wife, and take care of my child, broke my hand, and beat my ass in hell in a cell, I respect <laughs> you. Now that you've kind of turned your ways, I guess I respect you. But yeah, Brock Lesnar won the Rumble, and now he's going to face a champion at WrestleMania. I, I always make the Roman Reigns comparison with, with Brock. It's like, it's crazy to think like you compare what Brock is doing right now. If they were to do that with Roman Reigns in 2015, 16, just how much a smart crowd, a, a smart mark crowd would shit on that. I, I just want to know what like fans were thinking back then. It's like, yeah, we know Brock's going to get pushed to the moon, but everybody's cool with it. So what'd y'all think of the Rumble? I really like, this is one of my favorite Royal Rumbles of all time for some reason, and I can't name why. It was well-constructed, yes. um, honestly. Um, it's got a good, like, 
pacing to it. I mean, what I always used to hold against this before was Brock winning, because, you know, I have my obvious prejudices against Mr. Lesnar, but, like, you know, seeing the context and the build, like, like, who else could have really won this match? Like, they, 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 this was for Brock. The whole night was just the Brock show. This will always stick in my top five Royal Rumbles. Um, this was the first one I ever watched live. So, um, I always remember as a kid, I would call my mom because I would stay at my grandparents to watch wrestling. And I was like, hey, mom, Brock Lesnar won the Royal Rumble. He's going to WrestleMania. I'm so excited. And then mom would be, would be <laughs> like, yeah, good for you, kid. Good for you. But I think this match, it, it didn't have any surprise entrance. It didn't have any um, legends come back. It just, like, like we've said before, it's done a really good job of telling several different beat stories. And it's also established several storylines that will lead to WrestleMania. The bucket list. I felt like this show was like largely a one match show. I mean, I guess you could argue two match show. But, like, most of my stuff actually take place in the Royal Rumble. Like, number five is uh, Chris Nerwinski. This is a couple different things going into this justification here. He makes the bucket list because I know I'm not going to have that many more opportunities to list him. I said earlier how I was really digging his presentation at the time. And, you know, we went into, like, what he's done in the medical community. So this guy deserves some recognition for his contributions as a mid-card heel and as a scientist. Ranking slightly above him is Don Marie's gear, including the veil, because... <laughs> I, and just, you know, I'm also running out of opportunities to put Don Marie on the list as well. Um, I don't know, I think she gets knocked up relatively soon after this, and we won't be able to talk about her anymore, so, um, love her to death. Um, number three is the actual realistic submission chain wrestling in the WWE title match. Um, kudos to those two individuals for... You know, it was almost like they were pressing R2 in a wrestling video game, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It ruled. This number two is largely motivated by guilt. It's Chavo Guerrero's elimination <laughs> in the Royal Rumble. Um, it wouldn't rank number two if I hadn't, like, uh, you know, dunked on him earlier. Um, so sorry, Chavo. You're not completely irredeemable. You were the swagger soaring eagle, so we got love, brother. Um... And, and yeah, I guess it's anticlimactic, but I love the opening spot of the Royal Rumble for number one. The the whole Shawn Michaels getting eliminated first, Christian being as smug as only Christian can be, um, and I guess by extension kind of like the whole Jericho uh, run within the Rumble. That was a nice thread to keep the first uh, part of it like uh, connected. I always really look forward to the bucket list. Really? Like, I, I get sad whenever we're like ending the first two episodes because I'm like, oh man, we can't do a bucket list yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we said that this Royal Rumble was really greatly paced and everything, but honestly, these past three episodes have not been. So thank you so <laughs> much for listening to us. The first episode, we just talk about bullshit and <laughs> one wrestling match on, that's on the pay-per-view proper. And then uh, we talk about all the middle of the show. And then the last episode is one match as well. 
uh, an hour long wrestling match, but but still, it's um, this has been one of our weirdly more weirdly constructed episodes. So uh, thank you for putting up with us. Yeah, and enough about what we thought about for the Royal Rumble 2003. What did you think? Sound off in the comments on SoundCloud or in the reviews or tweet at us at RPA Pod on our Facebook Ruthless Passive Aggression. You know, just give us a follow, give us a review, do whatever you can, help the show out. We would very much appreciate it. Yeah, make us look good. Yeah. Um, so, for Ruthless Passive Aggression, we'll see you at No Way Out 2003. I'm Drake Jackson. I'm Jake Edwards. This is the Wrestle Bucket. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time on Ruthless Passive Aggression. Bye, buddies.